But I'm so excited about the resurrection because Jesus, in rising from the dead, completed the mission that his father sent him to accomplish. And while we're celebrating that accomplished mission and we're celebrating today the fact that he rose from the dead, he walked out of that grave. Thank God for that. He walked out of that grave. But I want to not forget the entire mission that Jesus had while he was on this earth because the resurrection was like the exclamation point at the end of a sentence that was a lifelong ministry of Jesus. And Isaiah chapter 61 kind of gives us an overview of the mission and the, the, and the, the purpose of Jesus's life. And I wanna go over that with you. Isaiah 61, starting at verse one, says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. How many of you are glad that Jesus released you from all the darkness that you were wrapped up in in your life? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I think of all the things that Jesus did while he was on this earth, and we could just spend months and months and years talking about how many powerful things that he did. But one of the things that's incredibly important to me and means the most to me is how he came to this earth to bring beauty out of the ashes of devastation and destruction that we were in physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually in our lives. He did a complete work of restoration and brought beauty from those ashes in our lives. I got a phone, and I know a lot of you guys do. If you got a phone at your house, uh, I guess it'd be kind of weird if you're watching this on your phone right now, but pick it up and kind of wave your phone. These things are cool. I've got an iPhone, and it is absolutely insane how smart these things are. There is more computing power in the phone I've got in my hand than it took to put a man on the moon. It's crazy. Like computers used to take up rooms and rooms and rooms of machines to do all the computing power that I'm holding in the palm of my hand right now. And uh, I remember when cell phones first came out, they were like huge. These these massive boat anchor kind of things that everybody was just walking around trying to look cool while they were talking with a boat anchor on the side of their head. And then y'all remember it got really cool to have a really small phone. So everybody was trying to get the smallest phone they could possibly get. And then texting became huge. And all of us introverts did a happy dance because we figured out that we don't have to talk to people anymore. We can just send them a message and say what we want to say. And we never had to talk to another person hardly on the phone ever again, you know? And so texting became big. Phones started changing. Screens started getting a little bit bigger so that we could watch our videos on them and make texting easier. And then emojis hit the scene. And I love emojis because those things are absolutely hilarious. But with emojis, you can put one of those things in and you don't just have to say what you're saying. You can show what you're saying. And I brought some emojis with me this morning just to show you what I'm talking about here. Like, I got a smiley face I want to show you. And everybody knows um, or probably seen the smiley face. Like if everything's going good in life, 
you drop a smiley face. If somebody does something nice for you, you drop a smiley face and it lets you know or lets them know that they made you happy. Like today, right before service, my wife, Kelly, who if you're watching, Kelly, I love you. You're still good looking. Dang, girl. Anyway, um, she brought me uh, breakfast this morning to the office and just sat it down. And dude, that was just the sweetest thing ever. And it made me happy. And so like, if I was texting her, I'd drop a smiley face emoji on that because it meant the world to me. It just made my day for her to do that. And then probably, you guys have probably done something embarrassing in your life. And that's what this next emoji is for. Um, the goofy little monkey getting the surprise, kind of embarrassed look on his face right there. We've probably all done some embarrassing stuff. I remember one time I was, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't tell y'all this, but this is hilarious. I was uh, texting this lady in the church who was in leadership at the time and just going over kind of a game plan for an event that we had coming up in the church and sent all the information to her and we were done. And so I was fixing to leave the church to go home and I was gonna send a quick text to my wife just to let her know I was on the way home. And so I send goofy texts to my wife. I don't know if you husbands and wives do that. We, we send crazy texts to each other sometimes. And so I was being a little silly. So I sent a text to my wife and it said, um, hey, I'll be there in a little bit. When I get there, I'm gonna kiss you on the mouth, you know, and uh, just letting her know I was on my way home. Well, about 10 or 15 seconds later, I got a text message back and I just glanced at it and it said, um, I'm really hoping you didn't mean to send this to me. I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding. And I looked and sure enough, man, I didn't send it to my wife. Like I had messed up and accidentally sent it to the lady I was texting before I left the church. And so uh, we had to fix that, but everything was cool. I was like, that was just an incredibly embarrassing moment in my life because there's a message I was sending to my wife. I sent to another lady, you know, it was crazy. Um, but we, we got through that and uh, everything's cool with that. But you guys have probably experienced some embarrassing stuff in life. And then this next emoji that I'm going to show you, man, everybody knows what this is. Like if you hear a joke or something hilarious happens, you're going to see this where people are just laughing till they cry, you know, over just something hilarious. And I'm putting a lot of those on a lot of these memes that I'm seeing right now. Like this COVID-19 quarantine that we're in right now is bad for a lot of reasons, but the one silver lining that's come through all of this have been the memes. It was crazy. I saw one the other day that showed a picture of Chuck Norris just drinking out of a can with a straw and the can said COVID-19, like coronavirus on it. Like you were just sipping it, indestructible. Cause you can't mess with Chuck. You just can't do it. Um, I was, uh, I'll tell another one on myself. It's funny how a lot of times the things that are really funny for us are really embarrassing for somebody else. Like if you're in a room with somebody and they, and they just trip and fall down, like I'm gonna stop for a second and make sure you're okay. But if you're not, like you haven't broken any bones or something, I'm probably gonna laugh a little bit at you. You know, or watching somebody walk through a spider web and spazzing out, it's hilarious to watch, but it stinks if you're the one walking through the spider web. And uh, I was at the house, uh, I don't know, about a month and a half ago, something like that. And I was getting dressed, uh, it was in the morning, I was getting dressed for the day and I was in the bathroom and I was gonna put on a hoodie and, uh, and then just go on about the day. Well, I, I got the hoodie and I picked it up and I was gonna put it on and listen to me now, a wolf spider fell out of my hoodie while I was putting it on. And when I say wolf spider, I don't mean cute little spider. I'm talking, I don't know if you guys can like wolf spider. 
fell out of my hoodie onto my face and just stayed. I know, I know. Like if you got, if you're a spider phobic person, yeah, you're freaking out. Too. I, I couldn't believe it, but it happened so fast. Like it didn't register. It just was like bang, bang like that. And when I figured out there was a spider on my face, I went to swipe it off. And it ran down my face, down my neck, and under the collar of my shirt and went down my shirt. Ah! It just went down my shirt. And I was, listen, I love, I love the outdoors. I love to go camping. I love to go fishing. I love shooting. I got a knife collection that would make anybody just like I, I love manly stuff. I love watching football. I love hanging out with friends. I love cooking on the grill. But I'm telling you, when that spider went down my shirt, I ain't ashamed to say that I screamed like a little girl. I was just like, ah! And I started making all these noises and grunts and grunts trying to get the shirt off and find the spider. I sounded like a grizzly bear at a proctologist. It was just like, just trying to get all the stuff off of me. And through the door in the middle of all of this, I hear my wife and she's half giggling and she goes, is everything okay in there? Like I can only imagine what it sounded like was happening through the bathroom door while my wife was hearing it. So found the spider, executed justice with extreme prejudice, dead and brought it out to show my wife. And then she looked at it. Where did that come from? It was on me, on my face, down my shirt. And she's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And she started laughing at me because the embarrassing things to us are funny to other people. And this is what my wife did. Like the next day at church, um, I'm still emotionally getting over this deal, right? Service was awesome. Service was over and I'm heading out the door and our kids service finished and all the kids come running out and every one of the kids from the kids service comes walking up to me and says, Hey, pastor Josh, tell me about the wolf spider. Hey, pastor Josh, tell me about the wolf spider. Cause my wife had spent part of the kids service telling them to ask me that and told that whole story and sent me up. So it was just crazy, you know, but there are times that now it's funny. Then it wasn't, but it was hilarious for my wife. She still likes to give me a hard time about the spiders. Um, but another thing that we probably have all experienced though in life is this next emoji that I'm about to show you. We have all experienced this, poop. We have all experienced times in our lives that were just crappy. You know, seasons like, like right now, if you, you know what I'm talking about, you know, it's just like life isn't all sunshine and rainbows all the time. Sometimes you go through times in life that just stink. You go through times in life that are just crappy. You go through times in life that are just rough. And you guys that know what I'm talking about, if you've ever been through a season of life that you'll say, you know what, I have been through some of that stuff in my life. Why don't you go ahead and drop a poop emoji in the comments right now just to let us know that you've been through it. You know what I'm talking about. We've all probably been through seasons and times in our lives where we've had to deal with that kind of stuff. And it's not fun. I've been through seasons in my life where I've had to deal with that kind of stuff. And it's not fun to have a bad day. It's not fun to have a bad week. And it's not fun to have a bad month or six months. Or it seems like maybe you're, you're at a, a point in time right now where it seems like the last couple of years of your life has just been a huge poop fest where you've just gone through it. 
and it just hasn't been fun. All of us walk through that stuff. There's a difference, though, I guess, between like the, the difficult seasons of life and the things that we have to walk through, though, and then experiencing devastating moments in our lives. Like trouble is one thing, but devastation is something completely different. And uh, it's crazy. Like, go with me to First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Peter's kind of writing about this trouble thing, and he says, Look, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. It's just something strange were happening to you. And it's funny. He's just like, don't freak out when you're going through this stuff. Don't think that it's strange. Don't act surprised by it because we're all going through it. He's like, why are you acting a fool right now? Like this hasn't happened to you before. Like we all don't go through this stuff. Everybody goes through crappy seasons of life. Everybody goes through times in life where we have devastating moments. I'm not talking about a bad week or a bad month. I'm talking about those moments that happen just like that when your life turns on a dime and you get devastating news. You know, there's, uh, there's a difference between trouble and devastation. Like, I've experienced devastation in my life. I went through uh, a block of time in my life where I lost my business that I was running at the time. because I was doing bivocational work, working in ministry at the church. And then I ran a construction and lawn care kind of business and did that to pay the bills and have flexibility so I could serve in ministry. Well, business fell through. Because the business fell through, my wife and I became financially devastated back to back. We lost our home shortly after that. Lost a business, financially devastated. Lost our home. And then not too long after that, we lost a child. And I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that season of life just absolutely sucked. It just wasn't fun. Devastation is completely different from trouble. You know, I can deal with trouble, but those devastating moments in life, man, they, they, they knock all the wind out of you. They, they, it just puts you on your knees sometimes, puts you on your back, and yet it leaves you wondering which end is up, what the next step is, what you're supposed to do. You know, and, and I've noticed that it's not just situations or circumstances or, or outside influences that impact our lives in a devastating way. You know, people can have a devastating effect on us too. And the hurt and the pain that comes from people sometimes can be just as devastating as anything else that we face in life. And I've got a friend named Michelle who went through a lot of that in her life. And we wanted to share her story with you today so that you could see that even in times of devastation, God still has a way of bringing beauty from ashes. Check out this video. If you notice on the video, right at the end, Michelle said that Jesus was what healed her heart. And that's one of the beautiful things about what Jesus does, guys, that he is able to come in and heal and restore those devastating moments. He's able to come in and heal and restore the scars that are left by all that trouble that we go through in life, you know. And, and maybe you're facing some stuff right now in your life. Maybe um, 
Some of us are staying home and complaining about being quarantined in our house and how inconvenienced we are because of that. But what's happened because of COVID-19 has brought absolute destruction and devastation into your house financially or health. Or maybe you've lost someone to this virus that you loved and you cared about. And maybe it's impacted your life in an incredible way. You know, Jesus still is able to take those situations in our lives and bring good from that. You know, it hurts to hurt. I get that. But Jesus brings healing and restoration to the hurt that's in, my, in our lives. And I'm not just talking at you this morning. Hey, I know. I've been through it. I've walked that road. I have been through that. I've cried myself to sleep. I've walked through life day after day in a daze because of what's happened to me and what's happened to the people that I love and I care about. I get that. I know what it's like to go through those moments. And I know on the other side of it that we serve a God that's able to heal and restore and bring hope and put back all the pieces that life destroys in our lives. We serve a God that's able to bring beauty from the ashes of destruction in our lives. And Jesus gave a good parallel in John chapter 10 and talked about the difference in his approach and what the enemy wants to do through the things that happen in our lives. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus gives a parallel, right? Like he, he, he says, listen, with me, with me, there's life and life to the full. With me, there's healing. There's, there's res um, restoration with me, with the enemy. Every time he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Like I was canoeing one time with some friends and we were going down this river and we were just having a blast doing an overnight camp trip and canoeing, uh, having fun canoeing down this river and fishing along the way. And uh, we came to kind of a split in the river. It made a Y. And if you go to the right, the water was kind of calm and peaceful and the water was a little bit deeper and it was going to be a smoother ride. And if you went to the left, the river was still flowing that way, but the water was a little more shallow and there were some more rocks and the rapids were a little more aggressive on that side. It was a rougher ride to the left than it was to the right. And I was thinking while I was praying for this message, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. We've got a choice. We're riding on this river called life. Okay? And Jesus already told us in his word that in this world, we're going to have trouble. Okay? We're going to face hardship in life. And there are going to be devastating moments in our lives that we're going to experience. That's going to happen. We're all on the same river of life. But we have a choice in the direction which we go. We're all in the same flow, but we've got the choices in the direction that we go. Hey, that was a cool little saying right there. You might want to tweet that. Uh, but if you go to the left... If you follow the enemy, if you try to do things on your own, it's always to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But if you choose Jesus and you submit your life to him, the water's smoother. Now you're still on the water. You're still going to have trouble. You're still going to have devastating moments in your life. But the peace of God sustains you on that river of life that you're on. You don't have that on the other side. What happens is this. We choose Jesus. He says that we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. But the second we choose not to do that, the second that we choose not to submit our lives to him, the second we choose to do things on our own, and I used to be bad about this, 
But when we choose to do things on our own, we start to carry around all the trouble and all the issues that we face. We start carrying stuff. When we don't give it to Jesus to carry, that means we have got to carry it ourselves. And there's a lot of us walking around right now with five pounds of weight around you spiritually and emotionally. Some of you are walking around with 100, 200, 300 because you're trying to go through life carrying this stuff on your own instead of surrendering it all to Jesus and letting him carry that load in your life. Letting him be that source of peace. And so you choose to go on your own and that's when the enemy begins to do his work in your life. He begins to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he'll pile as much weight on you as you possibly can. And you know what happens when you start carrying around more weight than you're supposed to for longer than you're supposed to? Like right now, five pounds on my neck doesn't weigh that much. I can feel it. But if I wore this around all day long, at some point my neck is going to start to get tired, guarantee you, because it's already starting to strain a little bit right now. At some point, this rope around my neck is going to rub my neck raw. At some point, because my neck will get fatigued, my back is going to try to step in to offset the load and carry it. And before long, my back is going to start to get fatigued. My back's going to start hurting. My neck's going to be hurting. Probably my shoulders are going to start aching. Over time, if I carry this around long enough, the effect of this weight is going to work its way through my entire body. My knees, if I carry too much weight, are going to start to give out and start to hurt. My feet are going to start to hurt more than they normally would because I'm carrying too much weight. It's all, look, my knee's hurting and I know my knee's hurting, but my knee isn't hurting just because it wants to hurt. My knee's hurting as the direct result of me carrying this extra weight on me through life. And listen, when we carry more than we're meant to, the strain manifests in other areas. When we carry more than we're meant to, the strain manifests in other areas of our lives. And I just gave the body as an example because of this weight, but think about it. A lot of us are walking around carrying weight from trouble that we shouldn't be carrying because we weren't meant to carry it. We're not made to carry it. We're not designed to carry it. You're walking around and you look a lot like this right here. I'll give you an example. Um, husband and wife, happily married. Husband loses his job. Suddenly, the household is under financial strain. So the husband, feeling like he should be the provider for the home, begins to carry the financial burden for the home. Worry, stress, anxiety, loss of peace, they all become weights that rest on this guy. Over time, over time, the money that they had in savings runs out. The wife goes to buy a present for their kid and the husband goes off on the wife. Why did you spend that much money? We don't have the money to do that. You should have checked with me. And now they're fighting over the money. They continue to fight over the money while the husband looks for a job. 
He's unable to get a job. One month goes by. Two months go by. Three months go by. Still unemployed. Still the money is tight. Now they're fighting and bickering over all sorts of things related to the finances. And because they're arguing over the finances, it becomes a wedge in their relationship because through those arguments now hurt, broken trust, disappointment, and bitterness have all worked their way in because of the arguments over the money. The money is manifesting in the marriage in different ways. And because of the hurt, because of the bitterness, because of the sense of betrayal, now there's a huge wedge in their marriage. It's the weight of the finances manifest in a different way in their lives, in their marriage. But it's, it's not so much the finances, it's how the guy is carrying the weight. It's how the guy is walking through life carrying more than he's supposed to. And in the moments, in moments of, of heated debate with his wife, the weight from the, the, the cares of having to carry those finances will work its way in and he'll begin to release the pressure that's on him mentally. He'll begin to release the pressure that's on him emotionally. You guys know that it's true because you've probably seen it in your life or in somebody else's life. How many of you out there have vented anger on your kids that they didn't deserve because of what was going on in your life? Because when we carry anger in ways that we weren't meant to carry it, it comes out in areas that it's not supposed to come out in. Because when we carry more than we're meant to, the strain manifests in other areas. And so the enemy tries to pile on issue after issue. So we become overwhelmed with what's going on in life and overweighted by the cares of this world so that we have problems manifesting all through our life, all through relationships, our marriage, at work. We, we can't trust people today because somebody betrayed us two years ago. And instead of putting that weight on the Lord and letting him carry that hurt and heal us, we're carrying it around today. And the weight from that is manifested in broken relationships and trust in our relationships today. It's, 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 that's how it works. That's what the enemy wants to do. Then while we're carrying all this weight, The enemy will bring in moments because of how we're carrying this weight to create devastation in our lives. Remember, his objective is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he'll try to chain us to moments of devastation in our lives there's so many of us walking around today with chains wrapped around us that are connected to people that have hurt us, connected to events that have devastated us, connected to those moments in life that impacted us so hard, and we continue to try to carry it on our own. And the enemy, the devil, has just had a heyday with us. For many of us, what I look like right now what you look like at home. You're weighted down and you're chained to your past. Now you can look away from your screen right now. You can act like you're distracted. You can crack a joke to the person sitting next to you right now, but you and I both know the truth. Deep down inside of you, you are overwhelmed and overloaded because you're carrying way too much weight and you're chained to way too much stuff. 
And this is the trap that the enemy wants to get you in because of what happens in life. We're all on the same river. We just have to choose which direction we want to go with this. You want to carry it on your own and be overwhelmed? Or do you want to trust Jesus and let him do something powerful in your life to lighten that load? One of the greatest parts of the mission that Jesus came on this earth to fulfill was that he came to bring beauty from the ashes of destruction in our lives. One of the biggest parts of it was that Jesus came to carry the weight that so many of us are carrying in our lives today. And I'll show you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is Jesus talking and he says, look, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, I am here to carry that load and that burden for you. Now, he used the word yoke, which really isn't a powerful word for us today. But in Jesus's day, in a culture that was driven by agriculture, they grew their crops to feed themselves. That was their economy, what they could grow. Just about everybody was plowing some kind of field to grow something. And they would plow fields, usually with an ox or a bull, and they had this thing called a yoke that would connect two oxen together so that you wouldn't just have one ox straining to plow a field by themselves. They would yoke them together, twice the power, twice the push, twice the pull, so that you could get more work done because the animals wouldn't fatigue as fast along the way. Now, what's crazy is this, that when you yoke these two animals together, if at some point during the day, if one of them got tired, the other one, because they were yoked two together, could carry the load for the one that was weak in the moment and push them through until that person had time, or the, the ox had time to recover and then carry its load and move on. This is what Jesus is talking about here. See, the people of that day would have got it. What he says, listen, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. When you're going through life and the weight starts to come on, this is when I'm going to step in and I'm going to do what I do best. I am going to take the weight of life. Now, you're still going to have to go through life. You're still going to have to face the trouble, but you don't have to carry the weight of what you're going through. You don't have to be buried in anxiety. You don't have to be buried in worry. You don't have to be stressed out. You can walk in a peace that only I can provide because I I will carry that burden for you. I'll carry that load. Jesus came to take the weight of life off our shoulders, guys. And I don't know about you, but I am incredibly excited and grateful for the fact that Jesus did that for me years ago, yesterday. He'll do it today, tomorrow. I know that my Jesus is always there when I'm facing stuff that I can't handle alone. He steps in, in that yoke beside me, and he carries the weight while I'm catching my breath. When I'm too weak to do it on my own, his strength sustains and sees us through. Praise God for that in your houses right now. We serve a Jesus that'll carry the weight of life for us. In Philippians chapter four, 
this is what's crazy. He not only carries that weight for us, but Jesus says this, and what I do for you, Jesus says, and the peace of God, in Philippians 4, 7, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace that only comes from Jesus, Paul says, acts as a guard for our heart and for our mind. Not like some... Uh, 300-pound offensive lineman that can't stop a defensive lineman half the time from sacking the quarterback. That's not what Paul's talking about here. That's a pathetic guard. What he's talking about here, that word guard is a military term. It means that I am on my post, on my wall, and there is not one enemy that's going to cross over and do harm to you tonight. I'm watching over you. That's what's inferred here. The peace that comes from our relationship with Jesus will literally guard and protect, watch this, our hearts and our minds. From what? From the weight and the care that comes from trying to carry the troubles of life on our own outside of that peace to protect us from an enemy that only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Do you have peace in your life today? You know, before this is over with, You'll have an opportunity for that. Jesus says his peace won't just carry the weight, but it'll protect us from the damage and the destruction that's done in our lives because of the weight. And one of the things that I really appreciate about Jesus isn't that he just came to take the load and, and carry our burdens, but that he spent time on this earth learning what it was like to be us having to go through it. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And while that is absolutely powerful, I don't know if it's more powerful to think about the fact that Jesus lived 33 and a half years of his life learning what it was like to be you and to be me. Learning what it was like to deal with the pressures of this world. He didn't just come to die for us. He came to learn what it was like to be us. And too many times I think that gets overlooked. He knows what it's like to be exhausted at the end of the day and still have to dig deep and find a way to give more. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to have the people that you trust most in life turn their backs on you and walk away. He knows what it's like to be made fun of. He knows what it's like to be alone. He knows what it's like because he paid the price to learn what it was like because he wanted to know what it was like to be you and to be me so that he could carry that weight for us so that we didn't have to carry it for ourselves. That's beautiful. But that's just not enough though because carrying the weight of life is one thing but rebuilding lives that are 
wrapped up in chains because of destruction, that's completely different. That's a completely different thing. Jesus came to restore what's devastated in us. He didn't just come to carry the weight. That was part of it. But part of his mission was that he came to restore what was devastated in us. All that hurt, all the damage, all the destruction that's been done by life, been done by the people that have hurt us, the people that have left us out, by the spouses that have cheated on us, all the pain because of the people that we've lost through the years, all the people who weren't there when we needed them the most. See, Jesus came to restore what was devastated inside of us. He didn't just want to help us on the outside. He came to help us on the inside. And he saw that there were some chains there were just going to only be one way to see them fall off of us. That chain of sin, chain of hurt, chain of disappointment. The only way those could come off would be for him to pay the price to see that we could be completely set free from that sin, to be completely healed from that hurt in our lives. Jesus knew, Jesus knew that to purchase our restoration would mean his total devastation. He knew it was going to have to be destroyed. He knew what it was going to cost him. And he did it anyway to set us free from sin, to set us free from all the hurt and destruction in our lives. He paid the price of devastation on himself to see restoration in your life, to see restoration in my life. He surrendered his body to the Roman soldiers. The Bible says that they whipped him before they crucified him. When they whipped him, they whipped him with this thing called a cat of nine tails. It wasn't just like a whip, whip. It was a whip that had multiple strands on it. And in those strands, were pieces of bone and glass and metal so that when they hit the person they were whipping, it would grab a hold of the meat of the back and the side. And when they pulled back, it would rip him out one piece at a time. One lash at a time, our Savior, his body was devastated so that we could have restoration. Bible says that he was beaten with rods by the Roman guards. He, his beard was ripped out. I don't think we can appreciate that because when they ripped out his beard, it was more than just pulling out hair. A lot of times, pieces of meat will come off with the hair. The Bible says that he was beaten so badly that you could not recognize him as a man because the only way for him to purchase our restoration was through his complete devastation. They hung him on the cross. They drove those nails through his arms and his feet. And he hung out in the sun, being tortured and mocked for you and for me. He breathed his last breath. And he gave his life. 
because his life, his blood was the only price that was sufficient to purchase us back from a life of sin, to finally pay the penalty for sin in the world. He purchased our restoration with his complete devastation. And then they put him in a tomb. And it looked like from the outside in that it was over. Our Savior was completely destroyed. Couldn't recognize him as a man. Tortured to death. But see, it was in that moment of devastation that he was doing that work of restoration. Because when he breathed his last breath, before he did it, he said some words. He said the words, it is finished. The price is paid. That's what he meant. I've done what I came to do. I paid the price. My devastation has purchased your restoration. And when his spirit left his body, he wasn't done. He wasn't done. The Bible says that while his body was laying in the grave, Jesus was busy. He was busy preaching to the captives. Jesus was busy walking around, taking back some things. Now that he had paid the price, he showed up in hell and he said, hey, I pay for some stuff. I want you to bring me what I paid for. And hell had to surrender its keys. Death had to surrender its keys. The grave had to surrender its keys of authority. All to Jesus because he purchased once and for all our freedom, our restoration, our healing, all power, all authority in that moment was given to him. And three days later, the Bible says the Spirit of God moved in power over the body of Jesus and he came back to life. He was able to bring beauty from the ashes of destruction in the life of Jesus. And in the same way, he still brings beauty from the ashes of destruction in our lives today. Jesus's destruction and devastation brings restoration to you and to me. Now the question is, what path of the river are we going to go on? See, it's still our power to choose. Jesus has paid the price for our complete and total freedom. I want to challenge you today. Maybe, maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're a churchgoer. And if you had to tell the truth, you're carrying way too much weight right now. In your heart, in your mind, you're carrying too much of the weight of life. And you're holding on to moments of devastation in your life. You're still chained to them. Because you haven't completely surrendered those areas of your life over to the Lord. I want to challenge you today on the day that Jesus rose from the dead to let him do an act of restoration inside of you today to heal and to restore. Maybe you're watching this and Jesus, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior before. And you're caught in a different kind of devastation because spiritually you're devastated. And it's not just that you're carrying stuff on your own and you're devastated by the stuff of life. You're literally spiritually devastated. The Bible will call you spiritually dead because Jesus hasn't done that work in your heart yet.
How about today be the day that you make a decision to change? How about today be the day that you surrender your life over to the Lord? How about today be the day that you let him bring you to life on the inside and cross you over from death to life spiritually? To let him restore that devastation in your spirit because of sin. To let him restore the hurt and the devastation in your life because of the things of life and the issues that you've had to deal with those devastating moments and the the work of the enemy in you to try to destroy you and to try to take you out and to try to give up. Listen, Jesus is here right now to restore. He paid the price so that he could. He's madly, passionately in love with you. I want to pray over you as we close the service today. What better way would there be to celebrate Jesus than to let him continue to do the work in our lives that he paid the price to be able to do.